Hello and welcome to One to Grow On, a show where we dig into questions about agriculture and try to understand how food production impacts us and our world. My name is Hallie Casey and today I have a bit of a different episode for you. So I've mentioned this before on the show, but up until recently, I was working in New Mexico doing agricultural extension and development on the Navajo Nation. While I was there, I got the chance to meet a lot of incredible farmers, educators, and activists. And before I finished my work on Navajo, I was able to get a few interviews with people in Navajo food and agriculture that I wanted to share here on the podcast. So today we have an interview that I conducted with Nate at City and Felix Earle. Nate and Felix are Navajo growers that are also doing work to promote food sovereignty and farming on the nation. Nate and Felix are from Greasewood and Ganado, Arizona, respectively. You'll hear them introduce themselves here in a minute. But for those listeners who've never been to the Navajo Nation, well, okay, first you should go to the Navajo Nation because it's incredible and so beautiful and just a really amazing place. But farming on Navajo is a little bit different for most farmers on Navajo, and it always has been a little bit different than our Western kind of modern conceptions of production. Many, if not most, Navajo farmers and ranchers cultivate their fields and flocks without access access to running water. Navajo is on the high desert in the Four Corners region of the U.S., and both the Navajo people and the Pueblo tribes that are from that area have practices as well as heritage seeds that allow them to grow nutritious and sacred foods without consistent irrigation. Another quick note, uh, in this interview, you'll hear the term Diné used which means Navajo in Diné Bazad, which is the Navajo language. Navajo is a Spanish word, um, but Diné is the word in the indigenous language for that people. So that's the word that they use. Just so you know, the audio quality is a bit poorer than what we usually have here on the show, but I really think that this interview is worth hearing. Uh, my name is uh, Nathaniel Etsidi. I am from Lower Greasewood community of the Navajo Reservation. I've been practicing permaculture and growing food for about a decade now. So Nate just mentioned the term permaculture. Permaculture is a statement of practice, set of principles, and overall farming philosophy that incorporates systems thinking and utilizing natural features to develop a more resilient agricultural ecosystem. These principles and practices originated from Native knowledge, but the creation of the movement is often credited to a white Australian man named Bill Mollison. I'm Felix Earl and um, originally from Ganado, Arizona, located in the northern part of um, Arizona on the Navajo Reservation. For me, uh, my family were um, farmers in the uh, mid-1970s and into the early uh, 1980s. And uh, at some point, our parents became successful in the uh, the work industry and also in um, higher education. So in a way, we, we kind of like just moved on from farming as people were succeeding and uh, and their other endeavors. So um, and, uh, I remember, I think it was 1983, that's when the last time my family planted. So, um, and then just recently, about um, five years ago, that's when I really uh, began to start thinking about, you know, a lot of the things that our grandfathers and our grandmothers did and taught us. So um, I remember um, when my grandmother left, she passed in the 2012. And during her, toward her last days, she would always talk about, you know, the things that were done back in her, in her younger years. And she would look out into the cornfields and she would say like, oh, the land is probably rested now and we probably could plant. So her and I decided to just throw some seeds in the ground, which we did, and they came up and they were doing really well. So, but that's as far as it got. And then, um, uh, like I said, uh, five years ago, I uh, started um, really thinking about it and, 
you know, just going off of what I remember as a, as a child, I went ahead and I just did it. I put seeds in the ground and went. And then, of course, uh, my friend here, Nate, is the one who introduced me to permaculture. And then I was like, oh, wow, like, that's just, that's what we did when we were children. So I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. Initially, what the trigger point for me was um, after my grandmother passed, I took over her estate and I was cleaning up in her uh, in her kitchen. And she has this peyote pail that they use, they bring water into the ceremony with. And as I was cleaning out the cabinets in her kitchen, I came upon that and there was bags of seeds in there. And there were like these really just, you know, withered, you know, um, decomposing um, calico cotton bags and they had seeds in them. So she had several different types of seeds and the, the corn seed is the one I, I came across. And there was a, a mixed a yellow, a white, and then also a blue. So just, I don't know how long they were in there, but they were in there. I decided to do germination tests on them and all of them failed except the white corn. And it was just like a handful of corn. And they germinated. And so what I did is like that, that spring, I put them in the ground and, and uh, this is my fourth year growing it. Now it's, you know, everyone in the community of Ganado and surrounding areas are asking me for that white cord now. So that's what triggered it for me. And from there, I got a lot of more information from Nate. And then from there, I just started growing. I asked Nate and Felix what they considered their job title to be. Here's Nate. I usually introduce myself as a permaculturist and community organizer. I take my job, quote unquote, <laughs> beyond um, growing food. I like to help uh, organize events uh, in the communities and also through social media to get something started. Um, for me, and I, I like to refer to myself a lot, I refer to myself a lot as a grower. Although there's so many other aspects to what we're doing here, especially on the reservation, and this, with this whole food sovereignty movement too on the reservation, there's so many other aspects. There's so many other outlets that anyone can get into this whole movement. But for me, I just say I'm a grower. That's what I want to focus my work on is actually getting seed, putting it in soil, taking care of it and growing it from there. And I, I really do think that's, that's my main focus right now. So when people ask me, like, what exactly it is, I'm a grower. I actually grow plants, food, take care of them things like that. And I said, there's a, there's a science behind it and we need our growers. Yes. That's, that's my focus. I'm like, I, I really work. That's my work is get people interested to grow the foods. Yeah, we need our growers. And also we're a lot of our work overlaps into social justice movements. So, I mean, growing food is a very political act. Most people who grow food don't realize that. And Thumbs up to them. <laughs> but yeah, food sovereignty is super political, um, which is why I chose to work um, in a food sovereignty umbrella. Within food sovereignty is protection of the land, protection of the water, protection of the air, basically complete protection of the peoples and the earth. Food sovereignty is a complex term that spans many movements, goals, and ideas. I asked Nate and Felix to speak a little bit more about Navajo food sovereignty and the movement on the Navajo Nation specifically. Here's Nate. I guess it's um, important to start with a little history. As you may know, Diné people, we have been bombarded by three different governments. First was first contact with the Spanish monarchy. And then next was the Mexican government. And then finally, the American government. And with each empire, each one sought to control the people by controlling the food system. And each government tried their best to eradicate our natural food systems. They were quite successful in some areas, 
with these salted fields, slashed and burnt orchards, and decimated a lot of wildlife and also our main food source, sheep. So when you control food, you control the people. We find it very important that we control our food, and we also are trying to revitalize it. So it's been a couple hundred years since the last campaign against us happened. However, we are barely in the infancy of restoring our food system. To give some scope to what Nate is speaking to here, the Navajo have occupied their traditional lands for hundreds of years. In the late 1500s, Spanish colonizers made contact with the Navajo people for the first time, and the Spanish government explicitly outlawed the eating of indigenous foods, including chia and amaranth. The first significant contact that the Navajo people had with the American government was in 1846, when Navajo was invaded during the Mexican-American War. And the Navajo were continually occupied by the American military until 1864, when nearly 9,000 Navajo people were forced to walk over 300 miles and then be interned at Fort Sumner, New Mexico. Beginning in 1870, the U.S. government began forcibly assimilating Navajo children into white American culture by mandating that they be sent to boarding schools where they were unable to eat traditional foods, learn traditional cultivation practices, and where there also was not often enough food to go around. In the 1930s, the U.S. government decided that Navajo suffered from an overpopulation of sheep, which is an animal that has always been a key staple in the food system and economy of the Navajo people. And the government implemented a mandated livestock reduction, which the Navajo strongly and vocally opposed. So it's, it's a lot of work, but it's very rewarding work. It's all just about being less dependent on outside resources, outside structures, and that we liberate ourselves through our own food systems. And with the Navajo Reservation, the Diné people, we're one of the largest tribes, if not the largest tribe uh, in the United States. I mean, our numbers are total, like the last census was like over 300,000 of us. And when you come to the reservation, there are only like, was it 12? 14, 14, now 15. 15 supermarkets that supply food for this amount of people. And it's a food desert. And a lot of the food that is provided for us through these supermarkets out here are, are usually are um, low in nutrition value and basically junk food, just crap. So because of that, you know, it, it's this food sovereignty move is really important because on the reservation we have high um, cases of diabetes. I myself and I was diagnosed with diabetes. I'm diabetic, so I'm trying to. It sort of really affects me on a personal level. So I'm really trying to change that. And then also cancer rates have gone through the roof on the reservation. You know, arthritis is, is, is climbing up too. So these are the three ailments that we're facing. And it's because of our diet has changed so much within the last hundred years. And just like uh, Nate was telling earlier, you know, changing the food system, you know, destroying a food system of a people, you know, then you're able to control those people. And based on that, we're still suffering from that. You know? And it, it's a form of genocide, really. So that's why I feel it's really important. And we can do it because our ancestors, had, they had the knowledge and they lived healthy and they were able to thrive. And that's what we need to bring back. And we need to take control of these foods. And, and it's, just, it's just not on this reservation. It's all over the world that we need, we as people, as humans, we need to gain control of, and get that back of the, localized. the control, localized food systems. And, you know, and with that, you know, we will hold that power, you know, and that, for me, is true sovereignty. Hello, 
listener. I hope that you are enjoying this awesome interview with Nate and Felix. Like I mentioned, I've done several of these, so this is one of two. Next week, we will also have an interview that I did during my time in New Mexico. I would like so much to thank our incredible Starford-level patrons, Vikram, Lindsay, and Mama Casey. Shout out to y'all. You are incredible. You make my world go round. If you'd like to know more about what we're up to, you should check out our social media. Our Twitter is super active. And on Instagram, I posted some very cute baby Halloween pictures. So you can go check those out. We're posting lots and lots of stuff over on the Instagram, as well as we try and shout out new podcasts. So if you need some new listening material, you can check out our Instagram highlight. Come chat with us. Have fun. Let's connect on social media. All right. Back to the episode. Thank you. Uh, on kind of that note, a lot of our listeners are non-native, probably the majority of them. So are there ways that you would suggest non-native folks to kind of plug in and be an ally and support native food systems? Oh, definitely come out and help. <laughs> come out and help. We need labor. <laughs> we need labor. We need a lot of help creating the systems. But also... Um, there are a lot of really amazing organizations popping up, some nonprofits donating to some of them would be amazing. We have a tremendous lack of funding, so that makes it quite a challenge, but also just becoming aware. So a lot of non-indigenous people always think that we get everything for free, being that, you know, that's the myth. Okay, you guys get free healthcare, free this, free that. Um, the reality is completely opposite because um, we hardly have anything at all. It's so hard to uh, manifest like ideas into reality. Help us regain the control over our land. <laughs> we do not have control over our land. So much freaking red tape and bureaucracy that we have to deal with in order to do any sort of startup. So that is why we do not have economy on the reservation people wonder why we're so impoverished it's because of all the bureaucracy we have to deal with the local government we have to deal with the nomination government we have to deal with the state government we have to deal with the federal government so because of all of this red tape and all this bureaucracy that we deal with most people just give up what takes about three weeks to establish in um, a town with infrastructure you could easily start a business in three weeks off Navajo. That same process takes about three years on Navajo. And by the time you you have to spend so much of your own money establishing any type of business that most people just give up and move away. So helping us get control back of our land would be one of the greatest things people could do. <laughs> and also um, things like uh, there's a really cool... Uh, permaculture convergence happening in Pine Ridge. So checking out things like that, figure, networking with people, finding out where they can plug themselves into is a really great a way to start. Yeah, just more support. Being, don't be an ally, be an accomplice. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. And, and, and then for me, it, uh, you know, just, you know, um, listen. You know, listen to us. You know, we have something to say. We have a voice. It was so interesting um, of this whole uh, movement that we're having on the reservation and throughout the country with food sovereignty and then regaining our ancestral ways and combining those with new technology and stuff like that. Sometimes it, it would get so frustrating to me. I would constantly be, you know, just bitching is the word and complaining. And it was so interesting to me. My mother actually came up to me and she 
And she's like, you know, Sana, I understand what you're trying to do, you know, but you being upset and being frustrated all the time with this system that is so oppressing and this system. That, and he, and she was like, why, why don't you in your process of healing yourself and healing your people, why don't you in the process also include those, those systems and those people that are being oppressive? You know, help them to heal too at the same time. Because she was like, our, um, are the Europeans, you know, they, I'm pretty sure they were tribal at one point. And they've become, you know, uh, I know a lot of people throw around the term colonized too. She was like, I'm pretty sure they have to go through that. You know, so she's like, so in the midst of doing all this healing on yourself and with your own people, why don't you help them to heal too? So, and I thought about that and I was like, you know, she, she has a point and she's right. So, and I always say that, you know, I, you know, and with, and within the indigenous community, there are some individuals who think like, we just need to get rid of all the Europeans and send them back over there. And I'm just like, okay, be realistic. That, that's not going to happen. So we, we have to, in a way, find that common ground, that medium, and we have to work with each other. And then, and then, and then part of that is, like I said earlier, is we have to listen to one another. Listen, mm. listen, listen, let's listen first. And after we do that, let's figure out the solutions. Like, what are we going to have? Because, you know, at this day and age, you know, we, we were, you know, this is our reality. We have to integrate. We have to live and we have yes. to coexist together. Yeah. So, yeah. And in, in um, Navajo traditional teaching, we, 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 when we introduce ourselves, we say we're Diné. That's how, but also, we are called and that means five-fingered people, and that includes every single race on the face of the earth. So that's how we address others, and so um, based on that, you know, we have to um, learn to get past a lot of these boundaries and learn to live through right. this. And you know, it's inevitable we have to do it if we're going to survive. Yeah. So, because as I mean, as um, native peoples of this continent we're dealing with 500 years of colonization whereas people of european descent are dealing with 5000 years of colonization so the healing process is going to be long and um yeah <laughs> it's going to take a long time but we can do it if we all work together anything is possible awesome. thank you guys both so much mm -hmm. Do you have anything you want to plug, organizations or social media or anything? Uh, we are um, a part of a collective called The Green Team. Uh, we are uh, a collection of nine people. Which we're creating seven demonstration sites across Navajo. Um, everything from hoop houses to field restoration and uh, food forests. Um, garden startups. And garden startups, small business startups. Uh, yeah. Check out the Green Team on Facebook. Um, that's really the only place we post things. And I'm also an aided so You can follow me. So. <laughs> yeah. Also, Felix Earl. Yeah. On social media. Follow me. <laughs> I'll put links and everything. Okay, awesome. in the, Yeah. Notes. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Thank you guys so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of One to Grow On. For more information about the organizations and events that Nate and Felix mentioned in the episode, as well as more podcast episodes that talk about modern food sovereignty movements and historical food access issues that we think are super awesome and you should check out, you can see the show notes for this episode. You can also find Nate and Felix's social media, and Felix is also a fantastic fashion designer, so you can find more about his line as well in the show notes. Special thanks to Cole Burkhart, who helped us clean up the audio for this episode. If you need audio help, Cole is an absolute wizard 
and a delight and links to hire them will be in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, please rate and review us on iTunes or consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash one to grow on pod. If you'd like to connect with us, find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. The show is hosted by me, Hallie Casey, and usually Chris Casey. It is produced by Catherine RJ and Hallie Casey. Our music is something elated by Broke for Free. And please be sure to check out a new episode in two weeks. But until then, keep on growing.